Support for this podcast and the following message comes from UJA Federation of New York. For a century, UJA has been a central force for positive change in New York, Israel, and 70 countries around the world. And today, it's easier than ever to volunteer, donate, or advocate for the causes you care about and have an impact. Make time for good at UJAFedNY.org. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Joyce Barry and Friends, the number one worldwide radio show. The show's outrageous and it's contagious. It will lift your spirits high, you'll feel that you can fly. Transform your attitude, fill it with gratitude. Cut loose and improvise, it's coaching time today. Joyce is a great coach with an extraordinary approach. Fast on the upbeat, top of the heap. A wild motivator, great stimulator. Unstoppable in a humoristic way. Life lessons with passion, joyfully today. You want Joyce as your coach if you want this to be your best year ever. Coach Joyce here. I want this to be your best year ever. I want this to be my best year ever. I want this to be the best year ever for all our friends out there, whether you are anonymous or not. We want this to be your best year ever. In fact, we want this to be the best year ever for all our friends and loyal listeners worldwide. Welcome to Joyce, Barry, and Friends. We are broadcasting live across America and around the world. This is the Hour to Empower, with stimulating talk, views you can use, memorable quotes, and powerful life lessons. We always have hot guests and cool topics. We even have cool guests and hot topics. You always want to tune us on, tune in, and tune up with us to hear the best of the best. You do not want to miss any of our shows. Each show goes into our archives. Log into Joyce Barry and Friends.com, Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E, and you will see each guest and each topic on our homepage. You can play and download any of our shows, always informative, inspiring, and motivational. You want to share these special shows with your friends, family, and contacts. You can follow us on Facebook and become a Joyce Barry subscriber and even a fan by going to our Joyce Barry and Friends fan page. Be sure to check like. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us by going to our Blog Talk Radio homepage and clicking follow right below my picture. You can also message me in any of these venues about our show, about our guests, about anything. My official website is JoyceBarry.com, Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E. The chat room is open. Log into the chat room, have fun, and chat away. I go back and forth into the chat room during the show to see what is going on in there. Motivation, inspiration, and an education. Positive, happy thoughts to improve your life, health, and finances. Take positive actions to create a gratifying lifestyle. Life lessons from me, your host, Joyce Barry, straight from the Coach's Corner, and then you will hear from our wonderful guest today. Folks, every day should be treated like a special day. We wish you the finest of friends, the opulence of opportunities, 
the magic of miracles and the happiest of days. May this year be your best year ever. Welcome to this show today, a very important show. For seven years, I have talked on different shows about my favorite guest of all time, Anonymous, because Anonymous just has so much resources worldwide, still haven't reflected for sure whether it's a, a, a female or a male, because there are so many extraordinary poems and writings and books all by Anonymous. Well, today we bring you an insider's perspective on alcoholism and Alcoholics Anonymous, and our guest is Anonymous. So if you or a loved one are suffering from alcohol or its consequences, you already experience the suffering it causes, such things as blackout lies, discord, lost money and health, relationship, employment, and police problems just paints the thumbnail of the evil that it does. Anonymous, a former sufferer of alcoholism and a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, talks very candidly about the disease and its management. Anonymous will take calls from the audience, so this is your chance to start the road to recovery. Folks, this is a really important show, and we urge you to let people know about it. If they can't be with us when we are live now, just know the show will immediately be in our archives. So get ready to start the year by being on the right path to recovery. And without further ado, I bring to you one of my favorite people, Anonymous. (laughs) Good morning, Anonymous. Hey, Joyce Berry, I am so glad to be with you and to be able to be of benefit to your listeners, their family members and friends. I think that was wonderful of you to uh, take the time to share this information. I know that you are always available to people to support them, to help them, and uh, we really appreciate that. So where would you like to start Oh, you want to start with why I'd like you to start with why are you doing this show today? Well, the why is is very simple. I think there's one thing I'd like to start with right before that why, and then I'll jump right to the why. And that is that I speak anonymously, and I am not the official voice for AA or you know, the alcoholics that are suffering and, and in recovery, they have not voted me to speak. So what I'm sharing is my own experience, strength, and hope. And I really am leading people to uh, to find the way, which leads straight into the why, is because I have received so much from what uh, the, the people in the organization, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, has done for me, has given for me, it's restored my life. It's given me back uh, youth that I was dumb enough or sick enough to literally uh, cast aside and throw away and misuse. It's given it back to me. It's restored me to health. And 
I feel with great joy in my heart that I, I just like helping others because there's no shortage of people who are still suffering and don't even know how bad they've got it. And uh, there's a lot of people who do know it and, and family members who do know it. There is help. There is a solution. And I'm here to help the person who is still suffering with alcoholism. Uh, one thing to note, folks, is this show is not just for the person who's an alcoholic, a former alcoholic, current alcoholic, but for the caretakers as well. I venture to say it's got to be as difficult on them being around it, wanting to help, as it, as it is for the person going through it. Well, a lot of times it's worse on the uh loved ones, the children who are victims, and the father who doesn't care, who feels he's justified, the uh, the couple, the, the wife may truly love the man and want nothing more than a responsible father for the children, but the man would rather be out. Sometimes, I mean, alcohol leads to crazy stuff. Sometimes being out with other women and prostitutes and maybe if it's not at that extent, it's preferring his alcoholic drinking friends, his own alcoholic state. Uh, nothing can come between him and his liquor, whatever that is, by the way. And, and you can't say, well, I, I don't drink anything but beer, therefore I'm not an alcoholic. Nah, that doesn't No, oh, no. I'm wine. I'm refined. You can be just as alcoholic on anything, any way you drink. But the point is, is that a lot of times the sufferer, the actual primary victim, is sick and doesn't know he or she is sick. The people around him or her are hurting more than the victim himself at the time. So I believe it's even more extensive than we might imagine, especially for those of us who are not around it, know people who know people, uh, thank God I've been blessed. I've never been around a friend or a relative uh, that was dealing with this affliction. So uh, I feel blessed in that way. And it's just so prevalent that I know there's Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I venture to say, around the world. Is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, it is all the way around the world. And... Uh, it's even these days uh, possible to go to and attend online meetings where you type by chat or you share with audio. And, uh, you know, for some of the people that are real rural, they don't have in-person meetings frequently like they may have once a week. Uh, so the online exists. But for people who are any of the urban centers, uh, there are dozens and dozens and in some of the big urban centers you know miami new york los angeles san francisco there's hundreds of aa meetings in hundreds of different localities every single week so getting help today is easy and and by the way there are professionals that help there are uh, medical centers that help there are treatment centers that help uh first of all there is no cure for alcoholism, so a medical treatment will not do anything. Now, it, they can get you dried out. They can keep you locked up, you know, away from it for a while. But ultimately, all those 
things are going to send you to AA, which is a life program. Uh, and so, you know, you got to learn to manage it. And I would imagine, like anything else that's an addiction, it's really, really ten times more difficult, shall we say, to put a number on it than having the support of an organization like this or even one person that's there for you that you can call and say, help me, I'm ready to take a drink. So wouldn't you agree that that's true? In so many ways, Joyce. Uh, first of all, the the fellowship, when you go there, you're – amongst people who are working the solution. Now, this isn't always the case. You know, the, the and I'm just going to pick a, a 29-year-old male who's been active in, in business, right? He's, he's, the, he's drank with his business friends. He's drank socially with all his family friends and the friends of his and his wife. His entire environment is is what he's got to learn how to say, you know, no longer, uh, I don't drink, you know, I mean, I, I don't drink and, and, you know, I don't drink anymore, whatever they want. But his whole environment is that he's been living in is set up to, to be facilitate drinking. So you walk into the fellowship and you have people who are in working in the solution. You have people who can give you tools and aid. And, and, and who can be with you. For instance, one of the techniques that a lot of people use in their early days, and especially, you know, a lot of people early days right now, is the holidays, is uh, I'm going home to my family, and they are all drunks. Man, we drink and we slobber those Christmas songs and say, oh, well, I'll tell you what, brother, I will come with you as your friend. We don't have to make any big deal, but you and I can just be there together, you know, and, and that, that kind of companionship. And we have in AA, which I think is what you referred to, inside AA it's called a sponsor. So there is a sponsor relationship. In the real world, it's a, it's a friend and coach. In other words, it's someone who has a particular interest in you that you, you guys have made an agreement, and therefore that is, and a lot of people use that. They say, man, I'm feeling weak, or, you know, hey, I came to this, uh, business party after work is you know they told me about it at, at uh three thirty and said we were all invited and had to stay at six right six to eight and uh man i don't know what to do they're serving alcohol he says well just yeah. you know say the our father you know or, or just say the serenity prayer and and keep your hands in your pocket i know go get a coke with ice in it nobody will know you're not drinking uh you know and on and on and on. Now, my own experience, too, I can tell you, uh, I, I overdrank in every single situation I was in. And I uh, I just thought the whole world did it. But as I have quit drinking, and it's now for me been almost five years, uh, I have found that nobody, but nobody really cares whether I am drinking alcohol or not, as long as I don't interfere with their ability to drink alcohol. You know, I drink a Coke. I drink water. Nobody cares. And sometimes, you know how friends are. Come on, I'm buying. I'm buying. It's, you know, come on. Money's not the issue. Come on, I've tried alcohol. You know, I know what it's like. I just don't like what it does to me. So would you bring me by water? You know? 
Do you miss it at all from one who's been there, done that? Not at all, Joyce. Now, I must say that it it's a whole lot harder to quit drinking than it is to stay quit. Because if you when once you've managed the the quitting process, you know, you're plugged into the fellowship, you understand what's going on, you keep the the lessons current, but that being said, it's not like occasionally uh, I don't have a thought. And I know, again, I share with a, a lot of brothers and sisters in the fellowship. These thoughts come up all the time. I mean, like one of my friends recently lost his son. His son's 37 years old. And I'm looking at a casket, a guy who died with an overdose of heroin, right? And I'm looking at him thinking, such a shame. Well, I guarantee you a major life event like that the thought of alcohol is likely to come up because that was the solution now not only was it the solution for tragedies it was a solution for good news also right it was the solution for everything it is no longer the thing now and so people who have their uh who have gone into recovery and have their disease under control it's a lot like someone who is diabetic the hard part is getting off sugar. Once you get off sugar and you got your body acclimated to a new equilibrium and you know what it will do if you have sugar again, the alcoholic knows what will happen if he has, or she has, has alcohol again, it's easier to stay quit than it is to get quit. Oh, and I, that's a great analogy, by the way, because when I went through times of go, giving up sugar and then I took a piece of candy, it didn't taste as wonderful as I knew it to be. Somehow your body can can combat it when you're off it for a while, kind of like they say breaking a habit takes 21 days. Does AA give you any kind of timeline if you follow the rules and, and do what's asked of you? Yes, they do, and they've got two of them, and they're both thrown out. There's a lot of slogans, you know, easy does it, first things first, you know, stop, think. Uh, but the one that we're talking about in this respect is 30 meetings in 30 days, and the other one is for you hardheads out there, it's 90 meetings in 90 days. Wow, I haven't heard that one. 30 meetings in 30 days. Uh, and <laughs> we are really battling at 90 meetings in 90 days. So that's kind yes, of like they're, meeting, what they're saying. Yeah, and each meeting is approximately an hour. I mean, you know, you get there a couple minutes beforehand and a couple minutes to get out of it, but approximately an hour. And they're scheduled all the way from, well, like in the urban area that I live in, they start at 6.30 in the morning, and they go all the way to the last meeting, meets at 11 p.m. at night. And then, of course, if you needed a meeting at 2 a.m., uh, there are, like I said, online community. You may plug in. You may be dealing with people who are uh, in Australia and up and alert for the following day, you know, while it's still your yesterday. But uh, there's there's meetings all the time, so it's about an hour or so. And uh, remember, it most of these people 
they had no issue of spending four, five, six hours drinking. So most of them don't find any issue with <laughs> spending an hour, you know, getting, uh, being in the solution. I just want to say that I did go to a couple of meetings. I don't know anyone that has that issue. I never had that issue. But why I went is because um, I've always wanted to make a difference for people in one way or another. So I always read up on things that even though I'm blessed that it's not hitting me directly, uh, I want to know so I can help others. For example, I just got a book on grief, and I bought it specifically for a cousin who lost her husband six months ago, and she's still so heavy into grief no matter what I, I said or try to advise or help or support or resources. She just was in that grief mode. So I saw this book, and it was using the same words I was hearing for her, and it said it best on how to, you know, support people like that. So I bought the book for her. I really did. But before I give it to her, I'm reading it for the the same reason that I went to the AA meetings. Well, and that's the same reason whenever – I mean, I just mentioned casually to you that I was going to go and do some help at an AA organization, and, and then you said, hey, I would like to help my listeners and bring some awareness to that. It's the same identical attitudes of yours that are showing through in, uh, you know, in multiple ways. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what keeps me going, that my vision to help others is bigger than anything I want for myself. And that kept me through major health challenges, surgeries, three battles with cancer, because I felt I had to get back to my show. I have to help other people. I've had my surgeons on some of the shows to make a difference and assure people there is hope after a, a horrific diagnosis. So I thank you for being here uh, to share all this with us uh, today, and I really bless you. We all bless you for doing that. I'd like to hear some of the stories, real-life story from members past and present that just might inspire other people. Well, absolutely, and I'll tell you, there is no shortage of stories. They uh, actually refer to them as, you know, as a drunkologue. But, you know, the stories about people who were uh, ignoring their family, uh, who were choosing alcohol, who were choosing to go out and drink rather than build a family are there. The uh, We had a guy that we met the other day who went off, and this was a young guy, his first night in the college dormitory Somebody introduced him to alcohol. Well, that's a good thing, right? Oh, my God. Literally the first night away from home? And before the night was over, he had found a caterpillar, a bulldozer kind of thing that was in the the lot next door where they were doing some construction. And he had started that thing up, and he had bulldozed some trees, ended up in jail, ended up in the dean's office. This is before the night was over. You know, uh, uh, this is the kind of story you can't make up. It is unbelievable, a story like that. Wow. Exactly. And then I met a guy the other evening who smelled. He just flat out smelled. Well, 
I don't know if you know why that was, Joyce. Do you know why? Well, it does have a breath. We know that. You know that when you drink that, you know, there is a breath. It has bad breath, the alcohol. We know that. Yeah, we know that. We know that. But his was a different issue. His liver had quit working. And when your liver can't process the impurities in your body, it starts coming out your pores. And, you know, you don't notice it when, you know, it's, I mean, only occasionally do you notice a strong smell in urine, right? But that's a personal thing. It's not other people smell it. But this guy's cirrhosis of the liver, and he had been diagnosed and warned years in advance, but he could not quit. Boom. Here you go. Fatal disease. He's hoping and praying that he will be able to get a liver transplant. Speaking of which, I know one guy. In fact, I I grew up with him. We used to drink together when we were 22, 23, 24. At 45, his liver went so bad that he did get a liver transplant. At 52, they buried him because once they gave him another liver, he continued to drink. And when he came back and said, I need to be put on the list again, do you think they put him on the top of the no, absolutely not. I would, I would bet no. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, his obituary, the best thing they could say is that he could tell a good joke. Wow. Uh, do you have to be a person of, of very little uh, inner power, inner faith, uh, inner resources, inner discipline to just, take that drink and then the next and the next and the next. Or do you know of any cases where you'd say, well, that's a powerful person. He's a CEO of a major company, and he fell into this trap. I bet there's all kinds of people. Oh, I personally know CEOs, attorneys, politicians. Alcohol is no respecter of persons because here's what people don't understand. Even my dad, God bless his soul, thought it was a character defect, and he would just say, that SOB just needs to put the bottle down. But mm. anybody who's dealt closely with people who have addictions, it isn't that simple. You cannot put the bottle down. There have been so many people that struggled and struggled and struggled. My final year myself, before I was able to quit, and I'll tell you exactly how it happened, but that finally, I decided, I mean, I had years of knowing I had to quit. Finally, I decided I was going to do it. The first time, the first time I quit for 44 days, well, I had the same environment. I went back and said, oh, boy, and I was weary. A few months later, by the way, a few hours later, I was drinking at the same rate. A few months later, I try again, and, you know, I quit again. In 33 days, and, boy, again, a few hours, then I was drinking like my regular pace, and then I few months later, I quit again, and it was 11 days, and I was so disheartened. I was so disheartened, and I had family intervention, right? And the family intervention, they just demanded that I quit, and I said, okay, I'll quit, Uh, you know, and I was thinking in my mind again, and I was thinking, I hope I make it six days this time. I was so dejected, and then my son said, well, I assume you're going to go to AA, aren't you? 
acted like it was the most natural thing in the world. You know, alcoholics are deceptive and manipulative. I said, well, yeah, of course I am, <laughs> which is the first time I thought of it. But I went in there, and they started talking about how uh, alcoholism was a disease. It could not be cured. It could be managed. They talked about how once you have the first drink, and that can be of any size. For me, I'm convinced a thimbleful would be enough, and and I'm not Catholic, but if I was, I wouldn't go to communion and take you know wine with it. Uh, but uh, once you have that first drink, the phenomena of craving kicks in, and you lose all power, you lose the ability to say no. You're not normal. You are not normal, and it's an allergy. And it, you know, and it, that day it made sense to me because I thought, huh. I know several people who are allergic to bananas and allergic to nuts. And I thought about this one person that's allergic to bananas. Man, if there's a few banana slices in a salad or in, in dessert that he gets, his face swells up as big as a pumpkin. Yes. yes. And I thought, shoot, I don't have that allergy. I like, give me your dessert. You can't eat it, I'll eat it. And it's just the luck of the draw. And so once I realized that for me, my problem with alcohol was just the luck of the draw. I had it. But just like that guy with bananas, if I could not take the first bite, in my case, not take the first drink, then I wouldn't have the bad reaction, which I never understood what the reaction was and how it worked until that first meeting I walked into Feeble, weak, and scared, but I walked in, and, and and I never never picked up anything again. That brings to mind a couple of other questions. Uh, alcohol is a disease; it cannot be cured. You say it can only be managed. Isn't there any point where one can say, "I'm cured. I've been dry for a year. I've been dry five years. I've been dry ten years." Do they still hold it that they have that disease? Is there any time limit that says you're cured? Well, there's hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands of cases that have proven out that the experience of the alcoholics is there is no cure. Uh, I mean, I just met a lady who had been uh, not drinking for 23 years, and her husband passed away. All of a sudden, the loneliness and the solitude and the grief, and she picked up the bottle, and she told me, and, and I'm, I'm, this is a conversation that I had less than a week ago, right? Uh, she told me, she says, well, that first night, I acted like a lady, and I, uh, I only had two glasses of wine. She says, the second night, I finished a small bottle of wine, and I still felt like a lady. She says, the third night, I had that big bottle of wine and I drank just like I drank 23 years ago and that is the experience that thousands and hundreds of thousands of alcoholics who have had what we call a relapse tells us there is yeah. no cure it's a progressive disease it's just like diabetes man you got it you got it they you can't cure it don't drink or don't eat candy you know don't drink alcohol you can manage it Wow. So there's no point in which you can say I'm over this hump for sure. 
because the temptation is all around you. Every time you go to a party, a wedding, every time you go out with a friend to celebrate his victory, he got a promotion, he got a new company, there is always that alcohol that's there. Well, there's always that alcohol that is there. That I will agree with you. However, I would not say that always that temptation is there. There's a difference between an opportunity and a temptation. You know, two different men are standing on the street and a hooker walks by. One guy isn't tempted, not at all. He recognizes she's a hooker. And another guy is taken in, right? So it's a matter of that's what the program's about, to give you the tools, experience, strength, hope, friendships, connections, so that, you, you know, you're not tempted your your life has changed but in the early, i'll tell you what in the early days of a person coming in that's a, a tough lick that people have to that we, we're not going to lie to them alcohol is out of your life forever there's no such thing every single program that's ever tried it that says we'll teach you how to drink properly is a failure with a person who is an alcoholic uh, so how would you define an alcoholic? What is an alcoholic in your view? An alcoholic is someone who, when they have that first drink, according to their own pattern, they cannot stop. Now, the reason why I say it according to their own pattern is because some people, once they have that first drink, they literally drink around the clock. Uh, other people, when they have that first drink, then they drink every single evening. Other people, when they have that first drink, they go on a binge and, you know, they, they, they go bloto for three days and then they come back out. They even think they're cured because they don't drink again for three months and then they have it again and then boom, you know. Uh, but ultimately, it's being affected in a way that others aren't. You know, for instance, one thing, I'll tell you one thing that still gets me upset it burns me up, even though it's been five years, and even though I'm not, and that's people who order a drink at a restaurant, for instance, and don't finish it. Now, an alcoholic cannot comprehend that kind of activity, but yet that's yeah. fairly normal. You know what scares me the most is the drunk drivers on the road. That's what's so scary. For one person, it could be one drink, one drink too many, whatever that is. There is so many deaths, uh, lifelong injuries that that are, they are causing other drivers, other pedestrians. That's what's so scary. At the meetings, do they talk about to really be careful about that while they're going through the process to make sure there is a designated driver? Well, Joyce, first of all, by the way, you have no idea how bad it really is. You have no idea. Police have more idea than they have capacity to uh, to actually intervene. Um, and it it uh, and of course, there's laws, you know, where there has to be due cause and before they can stop you and everything. So. Most of what we do, we got <laughs> – actually, we call it getting a nudge from the judge. 
a lot of people who have got a DUI who lived and who didn't kill anybody because if they didn't live, they're not there. And if they kill somebody, they're in jail. A lot of them are sent to, uh, as part of their program to AA to try and help them to get it. Uh, the truth of the matter is, and by the way, AA, I mean, there are programs that this law enforcement has where they can uh, fit your car, where it will smell your breath and it won't let you drive. It won't even start if you've been drinking and stuff like that. But the truth of the matter is by time people get to AA and are involved in the solution, their high crimes and misdemeanors are behind them and they're just shuddering and shaking that they had so many near misses and so many times where they didn't kill people that they could have been so irresponsible and that they consistently were. See, that's another sign of the alcoholic. The person who has drank a fifth of liquor all the way to the bottom, but yet they finish, they're still awake, and they will still get in their car and go to the liquor store and get more alcohol. They know better. They know better. And, you know, the last time they did it, they had to get new tires because they kept hitting the curb on the right-hand side, you know. But they'll do it again. And, Joyce, you have no idea. The, the, the police only capture the, uh, well, most of the time. They only capture the obvious cases, but there's a lot of people that are, that that are not so obvious. That had those misses that got away with it yeah. one more time. Well, you were talking about real stories. The one experience that was near and dear to my heart that did happen is my co- uh, my cousin, Andrew. At uh, 18 years old, he was in a college dorm. He wasn't feeling well that that night. He had a really bad cold. And his mom uh, called him and said, you're not feeling well. Let me come and pick you up. We'll take you home. You'll stay with us for the weekend. We'll take care of you. No, no, I'll stay here. As it turned out, it was very bad outside, icy roads, a snowstorm, and a blizzard. So there was a gal in the dorm uh, going around and asking everyone if they would drive her uh, to get a beer. She wasn't of age to buy it herself, so she was underage. Uh, I'm remembering him about 18 or so. Maybe it was younger because it was a college dorm, so I'm, I'm not quite sure, uh, but close to that. So she went around and asked everyone, and then everyone said, no, I don't want to go out in this weather. So my cousin, and he was sick, and he had a bad cold, he said, I'll take you. So they get in the car. She says, I'll drive. And within, uh, I would say, just putting her foot on the gas, she went right into a tree. The ice, it skidded, went into a tree. He was killed. And she uh, she came out pretty okay, uh, not that badly hurt. So in the driver's seat, she was okay. Imagine the parents who not that long before called him and begged him let us pick you up we want to take you home the next thing they get a call he's in a hospital he didn't make it so her sentence was to go around to all these colleges and talk about her experience and how she'll never forget that she caused the death of a friend because that that can of beer was so important to her that you know it took them years to get over why would he volunteer to go out he wasn't well to begin with but he had that kind of good nature a good nature so i'm sure you have many many more stories that are just so pathetic so sad and with irretrievable damage to people's lives 
it's you know, and I don't use the word lightly, Joyce. I, in fact, I don't use it very, very seldom. But uh, for the alcoholic, there's nothing but evil that can come out of uh, the relationship, the active relationship with alcohol. Nothing but evil. And it's horrible. It is horrible. Like I said, I went to a few meetings. Another reason I went to a meeting, because I feel like if you have any addiction to anything, a meeting like this could help you. I know they have um, meetings, the same organization on Clutter is Anonymous. Uh, I know they have the people who are, you know, hoarders, disorganized. They have that kind of a meeting. I believe they have a meeting about money, Gamblers Anonymous, too. Is that correct? Yes, they do have Gamblers Anonymous, and they have Overeaters Anonymous. They have Overeaters, uh, over yes, em- that's- yeah, yeah, oh. Over Emotional Anonymous. They have uh, Sexaholics Anonymous, and who knows what else they have. And ultimately, the addictive behavior is is the addictive behavior, and whether it let's just say food or gambling, uh, that is the same thing. You can't stop the the difference between food, quote-unquote, and a a gambling addiction or an alcohol addiction, it seems, now this is only on the surface, it seems like the gambler's or the drinker's addiction affects other loved ones around him or her more directly. But, you know, if a person's overeater and they become unsocial and they die early, that affects a lot of loved ones too. So it's just where, you know, I mean, and, and, and overeaters is a good thing. It's like alcohol too. Everybody knows just quit overeating, start exercising. Everybody knows just don't drink or famous last words. All you need to do is drink in moderation. You know what I told people about that when I said, man, that's a perfectly good mathematical answer. But so my question is, the other addict. organizations you mentioned, Overeaters Anonymous, Sexaholics, and Gamblers Anonymous, are there any others? And are they run by the same, is it the same organization that out of one sprang another, or are they separate and distinct? Uh, Joyce, I'm sure there are others I don't know about. We hit the big ones. And they are separate and distinct organizations. Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the the founding origins of all the others, 12-step programs, they call it 12-step program because there is 12 steps, uh, is the original. But Alcoholics Anonymous, they keep their business only with the alcoholism and the person who's still suffering. They have no opinion on outside issues. They do not lend, support, endorse any causes. Uh, and so... They have given permission to use, model, and adapt their 12-step programs. Uh, And so with Overeaters Anonymous, they have 12-step programs. Anybody who has read or who knows the AA literature, and and the book, by the way, that uh, has all this stuff in it is called Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, The Overeaters Anonymous book is the Overeaters Anonymous. The Sexaholics Anonymous book is Sexaholics Anonymous. They have been, they have sprung from what the AA group has done, but they are not in any way directly associated. Oh, that I didn't know any more than I knew that there are books that you can pick up a book, uh, Overeaters Anonymous, and so on. 
uh, folks, the one thing that we want to advocate is a really good addiction uh, is the one to be addicted to listening to our show every day. That's a good addiction. And here in the wise words of our health guru is why it will benefit you, why you should be listening every day. Listen to me. I have something to say about a wonderful way to start your day, a way to stimulate your mind and increase your energy, make you feel so good. And guess what? It's free. Weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, hear the Joyce, Barry, and Friends show. You'll find it on the Internet, on Blog Talk Radio. This show is upbeat and fun and very inspirational. It's informative, educational, and very motivational. There's the Coach's Corner, great quotes and news. There are suggestions, perspectives, and advice you can use to enhance your life and improve your health, plus clever, simple ways to increase your wealth. Joyce's perceptions and personality will keep you captivated, and her guests from many walks of life will always keep you fascinated. When Joyce and her friends speak, it's like you're in the conversation. This is part of what makes her show so unique, really a sensation. For Joyce's friends are not only the guests you're listening to, they're everyone who is tuning in. Yes, I do mean you. So refer your friends and family. They'll be so pleased to know. And let's make Joyce, Barry, and Friends the number one Internet radio show. And, folks, we do ask that you partner up with us in having that happen. Simply go to Joyce Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E, and friends.com. And right on the whole page, upper left, my picture, just look right under that. You'll see follow. If you click on that, you'll know that every show, every guest, every topic, you need not miss any of them. And if you can't join us when we are live at 11 Eastern, all these shows are in our archives for your listening pleasure 24-7. So, folks, this is an important show. If you know anyone, you have friends, loved ones, send out emails. Advise them to go to JoyceBarryAndFriends.com. Check it out in our archives. It's always last uh, one on top. So it'll be right there except for our default show. Uh, at the earlier on in the show, uh, our anonymous friend here referenced the serenity prayer. Uh, I'd just like to share it with you folks now so you know exactly uh, what we're referring to. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. And then it goes on to say, that's the short version, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as a pathway to peace, taking, as he did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next Amen. And the one thing I remember so clearly is I start each meeting uh, standing up and in a circle and holding hands. That's what happened at the ones I went to. Is that pretty universal? 
that is pretty universal. Now, they may uh, they may or not may or may not stand up and hold hands when they start. Uh, that depends on the group, but they always close the same way with uh, standing up, holding hands, and uh, saying whatever prayer that they've chosen to use. Because something we haven't uh, strongly spoke of today, but ultimately it's the reliance upon a higher power, which is where the uh, strength comes from that can lift the alcoholic who has not been able to quit on their own, who has not been able to, even though their their wife, family, and children were begging and pleading them and they made promises, still wasn't able to do it for them. Uh, the, that higher power can and does relieve the obsession to drink. And you mentioned something else very important, the the idea of the sponsor. Uh, in, in a world where we're not to- dealing with addictions, where you have coaches and mentors and role models, uh, one thing I can say as a coach, I've been a success coach for decades, first thing I learned about being a coach is never take on those with addictions. That is not our specialty. Refer them to places like Alcoholics Anonymous. Let them deal with it. Our job as a coach, get them to the next level. They want to make more money. They want to accomplish something. They want support to get outside the box. But I learned early on, never take on addictions or chronic diseases, anything like that. Let them go to those that specialize in that. Uh, I wanted to also talk about uh, blackouts. Uh, that What's scary about that? Couldn't they have that while they're driving, just have a blackout anytime, anywhere, any place? Oh, absolutely. And you see a lot of people misunderstand what a blackout is they compare it to and they think it's like a knockout you know a knockout in the boxing ring means the guy's on the floor and uh you know is is unconscious a blackout just means that nobody's home but they can still be operating perfectly fine Uh, it's like one guy came into a meeting and uh he said he was kind of kind of shocked and dazed and confused because when he woke up he didn't know where his car was. He didn't know this, didn't know what he had done all night. He had absolutely zero memory of the night. And he looked in his billfold, and his entire check of $1,100 was gone. And so he called a few of his friends that he was with and said, you know, did I kill anybody? You know, you saying, no, 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 Jake, you were acting perfectly normal and fine. By the way, that was a great dinner you bought for everybody. Thank you. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, You mentioned a personal intervention family. Uh, When you say that, are you talking about one person from the group stepped forward or you were surrounded by uh, parents, siblings, kids? How many people got involved in the intervention? Okay, I will tell you. And first of all, I'd recommend for people who are suffering you know, the victim of the victim, uh, we call it, uh, there is an organization called Al-Anon, and that's A-L, stands for alcoholics, right? Al-Anon, and they can give you some coaching. But uh, in my case... Wait, 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 would you, it's A-L-A-N-O-N, or is it a hyphenated name? It's a hyphenated, it's A-L hyphen A-N-O-N. Yeah, rang a bell. Okay, go ahead, and that's the name of the organization. Yes, Al-Anon. Okay, go ahead, please. And you do a search, and you find them the same way. And, again, any professional uh, 
in the healing arts will know about it and can stir you the right way. So uh, my case was, while it wasn't unique, is only one of the, the things. A lot of times it's, as you might expect, it's the spouse or it's the parent. Uh, a lot of times it is the family. A lot of times it's the employer. You know, they say, hey, you know, you go into treatment or you lose your position. Uh, but in my case, it was my uh, son who came over and uh, just, you know, said, I am not going to live with this. Uh, we're about to have a, a child, and you'll never know that child. And you'll never know me again. Ugh. Wow. The only reason I ask is I can imagine an intervention. I think of all family and friends you know, like that, it's really hard for one person, no matter who they are, to take on that on as one person. But it sounds like your son successfully pulled it off. Well, he did, and who knows whether he actually got some counseling or not. It's there, there's There's more than one thing going on here. You know, the alcoholic who is practicing is very egotistical, very egoistic, and they don't want to think that, uh, for instance, a spouse, you know, they don't want to think that the spouse is out there broadcasting their problems. So a lot of times it is better for the spouse to do it alone. Uh, but then again, you know, loved ones who are clearly affected in the same environment that you would think it would have more power. It's just ultimately it's a coin toss. They, they have a saying is that you either get locked up sobered up or covered up and sobered up is only one of three options not every alcoholic who is uh, confronted recovers a lot don't you know i i sit around and and I, I see the obituaries and i see people that are in their 40s and 50s and 60s dying and of course they don't say it was alcoholism you know, it was a heart attack, but it was alcoholism, Joyce, that did it. It was alcoholism that killed my 52-year-old friend. Nothing else. Wow. I have a question. I I read this by Melody, uh, by Melody Beatty, uh, and I'm wondering if gratitude can play a role, because in reading this, it's somehow connected to th- this uh, issue. Gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos to order, confusion to clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, a stranger into a friend. Gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. Doesn't gratitude play a role if people can focus on that and the support that they have around them? It's a very integral part of the Alcoholics Anonymous program. You'll hear people talking about gratitude consistently. It's a change. It's ultimately, it's a reorientation of your thoughts and your spiritual condition. And yes, that's a beautiful prayer, by the way. That's beautiful. Yeah, as I was reading that, it, it, it 
it seemed that it would tie into everything because it's certainly peace and vision we need and and bringing chaos to order my goodness if that's isn't chaos and then when i think of lies a lot of people are uh closet alcoholics and the only way you might know that if you smell their breath so isn't that also a lot of them can be pathological liars, anything to cover it up? Oh, absolutely. And here's another thing that people who have not been around the fellowship don't know is that the stereotype of the alcoholic, you know, is the, the old man homeless under the bridge. But the reality is it's everybody. And women are 50% of the population. Well, check this out. Women are fifty percent of the alcoholics too. So, wow, I if you're did a woman not know and you, that. I it, find that amazing. a stunning statistic. Most people who are not in on the inside are, think that's a stunning statistic, but the reality is, I mean, I, I definitely attend a lot of meetings where women are in the majority, you know, it, it just fluctuates from day to day. Right. Because if, if, you know, 50, 50, well, you flip the coin, you can get two tails so you can get more women or you can get more men. But ultimately it's about 50, 50. That I really didn't know. For some reason I had it in my head that it was mostly men because I, I picture men hanging out in bars. I really don't picture women as that being a common a hangout, although it might well be. I was just never one to be in, at a bar. You're more apt to find well, me in a coffee that, shop. What brought that up was your uh, very good insights about the closet drinker. Uh, most women drink amongst themselves and at their home. You know, they they don't frequent bars as much, but they're still addicted to alcohol. They still stop at the liquor store within two blocks of where they get off work. Every single night, they still drink until they pass out and go to work the next day and do it all over again. This is like an incredible show, folks. Really, really tell people you know. It is a not-to-be-missed show because, again, when I think of alcohol as addiction, it brings to mind gambling as an addiction, uh, Overeaters Anonymous, all the others. So if you can glean anything from the show, that will help even one person. We got our job done. Uh, Anonymous, what message would you like to leave our audience today? Thank you, Joyce. I appreciate you asking that. And the message is there is a solution for the problem that you're suffering with as a direct victim or as a victim of the victim. Alcoholics Anonymous is where you want to go. The purpose, the entire and only purpose of Alcoholics Anonymous is to help the person, the sufferer, recover from alcoholism themselves and to help the other person to be there for the other person who comes along who is still suffering. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees. You're not going to have to subscribe to any code of ethics or any any deity or any pledge of allegiance. The only desire is a desire to stop drinking and it's so easy to get help. All you have to do is would just type up Alcoholics Anonymous meetings near me or aa.org, which they'll have a meeting directory. 
uh, go to any professional, any clergy person of any persuasion. They can help you, and and whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get in that first meeting, that will be the most important day of your life. It'll be the first day of a new life, and in this instance, that's a literal statement. What a great way uh, to end, uh, uh, you know, uh, the month of December as we're winding down here to give people hope for the future, to create a fresh start. And I'd like to, uh, two things, thank you so much for doing this show. As I said, if we change one life, if we help one victim of a victim today, we got our job done. And this is my special prayer for all of you. Make this the last day, the very last day of your struggles, your suffering, your ill health, your misfortunes, your problems, your pain, your worries, your troubles, your trials and tribulations. May this be the first day. It is the first day of the rest of your life. May it be the beginning of the very best of your life with extraordinary wishes granted and dreams coming true. Make this the most meaningful year of making more money, good health, good luck, good fortune, attracting special people and opportunities, creating magical memories, and manifesting marvelous miracles. Thank you so much for the show today, Anonymous. God bless you, and God bless America. (laughs) Till tomorrow. Bye. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. Hardship. My grandmother would go through it every month to pay her insurance bill. First, she would handwrite a paper check, in cursive. Then, using her own tongue, she would wet a stamp for an envelope. Today, however, we need not weary our hands and tongues. Today, we can pay our GEICO bill with the GEICO app. Away with hardship, in with bill pay on the GEICO app. Thank you. There are a lot of great places to visit during the summer. The beaches at the shore are amazing. The mountains are incredible, and the lakes are the greatest. But this year, my first stop was somewhere else, my local Volkswagen dealer. I got a terrific deal on a new Jetta. And those available features like adaptive cruise control, blind spot monitor, and front assist are great to have in summer traffic. Now I think I'll head out to some of my favorite summer destinations. Like all of them. Test drive the Volkswagen Jetta this summer at your local Volkswagen dealer.